concise and uh, short as I possibly can. So that Seth can come on up here. The yeah, totally. totally. So, let's see. All right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So I did. Yeah, hold on. I'm trying to find. I brought notes to help me out, make my life easier. So. So I guess I will begin with uh, an introduction. So like my grandfather said, I am their uh, firstborn grandson, and I know some of you do know me. And uh, yeah, know the majority of my story. Um, I will start off to, to make it easier for me uh, with the, the who, I guess, of, of uh, like what the what I'm about to do, who I'm going to be involved with, uh, what, so what organization, uh, who, what, when, when I'm going to be leaving, sort of how long the session, this outreach program is going to be uh, before, who, what, when, where, so where. Obviously, we know it's in Big Island, Hawaii, it's Kona. It's going to be the, the west side of, of the Big Island. Um, the who, what, the when, where, uh, and then the why, sort of why I'm, I'm getting involved, and then how how it came to, to be that I am getting involved. So um, to start off, uh, WHO, the organization that uh, I'm going to be involved with, and I know some of you were probably here for, for Chelsea's testimony and um, her sort of telling about her time with YWAM. Um, YWAM is, uh, is a, an outreach missionary organization that has uh, it started in 1960. Um, by a guy and his wife named uh, Lauren and Darlene Cunningham. Um, and he, Lauren was 20 years old. Uh, he was traveling in the Bahamas and uh, just, he was an Assemblies of God uh, student at college there. Um, and he, uh, yeah, he was 20 years old and he was on the island, or on one of the islands in the Bahamas. And he, uh, he had a vision, basically. And the vision was of... Um, of he just saw waves essentially crashing all over the uh, the earth, just waves sort of flooding the earth and, and flooding the continents and such. And um, he was able to look closer at the waves, and he saw that they were actually young people, and so and specifically young people that were bringing the gospel to to every every nation, every Amen. people, every tribe, people that hadn't been contacted and whatnot yet, um, but also people that had heard and maybe they needed to hear more. Uh, so, so that was sort of the inspiration for it. Um, and it's a few years later, I think it was 1967, um, during those seven years, he started organizing one of the first uh, schools, which was called the School of Evangelism, um, just st starting to try to, to get people together and teach exactly how, just give methods, basically, of, of how to go out and and start evangelizing and, and mm -hmm. just teaching and educating people of uh, the essentials of the gospel and, and what what it's all about. So, so Lauren Cunningham, and he's actually sometimes he is at, on the Big Island. Also, he tries to travel around to the majority of the bases uh, and just teach and, and uplift people and such. 
So yeah, might might have the chance to meet him. I don't know, uh, and his wife. Um, so yeah, and they they service and outreach to 180 different countries worldwide, um, and specifically with the. I feel like I just heard the volume go up. It's weird hearing myself. Yeah. Um, so 180 countries. The the Hawaiian Islands, because of its location in the Pacific, it's uh, it does a whole lot of outreach to other further western Pacific Islands. Um, so the Philippines, uh, the Indonesian Islands, a whole lot in Southeast Asia. So uh, Laos, Cambodia, Thailand, uh, Vietnam, I believe, South Korea, um, all the way up into China and, and Malaysia, uh, Myanmar, Mongolia also. So a whole lot of just the, the Asiatic countries. Um, let's see. So they also have, uh, they don't employ, but they have 18,000 Volunteers. They do employ people, but um, they have 18,000 volunteers That's year amazing. round. Yeah, every year. That's so amazing. just people like me, just they hear about YWAM and they decide to go get involved. Yeah, and, uh, yeah give give some of their time and stuff. Yeah, and then learn also uh, learn how to effectively communicate the gospel uh, because it's one of the things we're we're told to do is go out and, and preach and yeah communicate it and give give uh, a reason for for the beliefs and yeah the faith that we have so um, so 1967 the first school actually took place in Switzerland uh, that was the first base that YWAM set up the first the first school that was where it took place was in uh, Switzerland I'm not going to try to um, pronounce the town name because it's too <laughs> seems too difficult uh, but Let's see, what other notes do I have here? So Lauren Cunningham, uh, sort of gives you a brief history of that. Let's see, um, oh, and their, their first trip was actually to Liberia, uh, to a leper colony. Um, <coughs> they, they sent two young men in their early 20s to just uh, hike a trail into a leper colony into, uh, in Liberia. And... Um, yeah, it'd be interesting to find out who those people were because I wasn't able to actually find their names. Um, so that's sort of this is that's YWAM is um, yeah in raising up young people to go and, and uh, yeah be educated and communicate the gospel effectively. Yeah. And um, so that's the who, uh, the what is pretty much wrapped up in that also. Uh, the where, Kona, so Big Island. Um, if any of you don't know about Hawaii, there are, I think there's a total of seven, seven islands. The Big Island is the largest, and uh, it's actually the youngest also, um, and the, the least developed. So in Kona, uh, is on the, the west side of that island. And it's kind of actually a touristy uh, center, like a hub, commerce hub. Um, I was blessed enough to be there a couple of different times. <laughs> um, I was there in uh, 2015 for for family, basically, um, just getting to do some some stuff with family, building a uh, a little scuba shack, basically, on just south of Kona. Uh, so yeah, got to see a decent amount of the island. So I look forward to going back there. Um, what the when? It's gonna. This is gonna be. Uh, I'll be taking off in uh, September. So September 25th through the 26th. So it's basically it's coming down to it. It's coming quick. <laughs> yeah, had, had like six months to go. Felt like yesterday, and so now 
for down to the last two months. Um, so graduate in March. Yeah. So basically, the uh, the initial um, time once you decide to go and, and volunteer and give time to YWAM. Uh, they put you through um, a mandatory DTS, and DTS stands for a Discipleship Training School. And so basically it's a six-month program, um, and you are, you are on the base for about three to four months, um, and they're putting you through, oh, that was one thing I was going to see if uh, we could do is pull up their website, but don't necessarily have to make that happen. Um, so, yeah, six-month six program for... Just about half, just over half of that uh, that time, you're going to be on the base, and they put you through what is called lecture phase, and um, you're just doing a whole lot of rigorous. You don't have a job; they don't allow you to actually have a job for during that time. So uh, you're just doing rigorous studies, biblical studies, and uh, studies on yeah the attributes and the nature of God and uh, His plan for reconciling um, mankind with Him and uh, some intense self-reflection. Yeah, t- tons of prayer time and um, yeah, meditative kind of yeah, contemplation time. Sort of just cultivate your uh, your relationship with Him and um, and become grounded in, in the Scripture. Um, <coughs> so I shouldn't be saying um so much. That's one thing I was <laughs> told not to do. You're amongst uh, families, David. <laughs> you're okay. So you're all right. So yeah. Come on. Come on. Let's see. <laughs> okay. Uh, what's up? What do you say? Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, six months. Uh, and then so the other the other half of that uh, six month uh, period of time, you're going to be sent out. Um, and as of right now, I have actually no idea where I will be going, but I have a good good idea because of um, hearing about Hawaii and some of the people that I've talked to uh, on the base. It seems like there's a lot of outreach to those south, south, uh, east, Southeast Asia countries and such. It's closer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And they just have a lot of, um, a lot of relationships set up already over there yeah. and stuff that they're sort of cultivating. Um, so... That's going to be uh, the who, the what, the when, um, the where, and the why, I guess, uh, for those of you that don't know me. Um, I grew up in a church. I grew up in this church, actually. And I, uh, I left when I was about 15 years old. I decided to go and investigate. Essentially, I didn't realize or uh, I didn't feel like I could continue being involved in church or in church and church culture because I didn't necessarily believe, uh, know what I believed. If I believed this 100%, I didn't believe in sort of hereditary beliefs being passed down to you by, by family. Um, so I decided to, to jet and uh, because it's, that was pretty much yeah, right on time, uh, just sort of coming of age, decided to just explore everything that I could. Um, so whether it was just different beliefs, <coughs> different uh, philosophies, because essentially because uh, the the question of who is God, what is God, is there 
is there meaning for existence? Um, the question was important. <coughs> yeah, no, I'm trying. I'm just trying not to actually get emotional. I never really get too emotional. But so, um, so yeah, I took off at 15. Uh, started basically. Young people, basically, yeah, just started getting into um, alternative lifestyles, <laughs> just exploring different areas of thought, um, philosophies, yeah, exploring religions. Um, yeah, I know, I'm just not going to start talking about drugs or anything like that, but um, yeah, exploring different states of consciousness. I guess would be easier, way to, better way to say that. Uh, yeah, in, in use of different sub- substances. Yeah, yeah, everybody knows. Um, yep. Yeah. Sure. And um, so, yeah, exploring the different religions, uh, as many as I could, just because I wanted, one, I was curious to, to know what exactly um, people that, that profess belief in other religions, what exactly they believed and why, um, and to see if any of it, you know, held true. Uh, I wasn't sure if, if there was a, a legitimate truth, if there's an absolute truth or if truth was um, relative, could you, could you, Comprise? Could you sort of create your own truth? Because that's sort of the, the popular mentality of the majority of people my age, and even just like all, most people nowadays, kind of believe that sort of that same thing is. I, I like to call it like a, a religious or philosophical eclecticism or something like that. You gather it all in, you sort of pick and choose what you want, what makes sense to you, what seems um, substantial, or and, and have substance. What uh, resonates with you, I guess. And so, um, so I was exploring as much as I could, and uh, it took, actually, I'm going to be 25 this year, if I can get in a ring. I was going to be 25 this year, and so it's been 10 years, it will be 10 years, since I left the church <laughs> and, uh, and decided to start exploring and looking for truth and, and, and reason. Um, and so actually really within the last year uh, or within, within the last six months even, it's sort of just uh, been an, a complete 180 degree uh, turn at least for me reassessing um, because I exhausted literally anything and everything that I could get my hands on. To bring peace, uh, actually it brings to mind uh, a quote by a I think he was a French mathematician, I think from the 1500s or the 1600s, uh, Blaise Pascal, who said something, it's just a paraphrase, um, that, that there is a God-sized, God-sized void in the heart.
quote is, there is a God-sized <coughs> void in the heart of every man. And uh, he professed belief in Christ and, and realized that that was the only thing that was going to bring him full, uh, complete peace. Uh, his, yeah, bring his spirit peace. So that's when I finally got to the end of of my road of just wandering and exhausting all, all what I thought were alternatives. Um, came down to this, a really intense period of reflection and sort of diving back into the biblical narrative and, and history of the communication of God with, with man and uh, really reassessing did I believe, is this is it possible that this could be true? And if it is true, if, if uh, Christ is exactly who he said he was, then what? <coughs> I'd rather have peace. I was hoping that if, if there are any questions too during this whole, because I didn't want this to be like a presentation or even like a, a show or anything. I was hoping this might be like more of a conversation. Um, so if there are any questions, anything that anyone's curious about, just either shout it out or, or raise your hand or whatnot. But um, so so yeah, I was I would realize that I, if this was legitimate, then I wanted legitimacy. I wanted uh, peace in my spirit and such, and I wanted the truth. I didn't necessarily care um, where it came from. If this was, this was it, then I wanted wanted it. Um, even if it means looking like a fool. And that's pretty much the price that you pay. <laughs> so, um, that's sort of the why and the how. Uh, so yeah that happened all really within the last uh, six months Chelsea came home like my grandfather said from, from Thailand in her time in, um, in Thailand in being involved in YWAM um, and be getting to spend time with her here and talking and sort of hearing having her share her story with me and her experiences um, that's, that was really sort of what instigated because uh, I was coming to my wit's end again with with uh, alternatives. That was pretty much what instigated of that time of looking back into everything. Um, looking back into Christ. So I started researching afterwards uh, YWAM and whatnot, getting in the possibility of entertaining the idea of possibly getting involved with them and decided uh, why not really. <laughs> um, so one, because I, I did, I had my, my belief really um, become concrete. So, but I wanted to be able to communicate it effectively and as effective as I possibly could and be clear and concise and um, 
so that was uh, intriguing. And then the time getting to yeah, be, be beneath missionaries and study with missionaries and kind of see what, what doors and opportunities this experience might open up for me. It's kind of, yeah, big big part of it. So, yeah, <laughs> question. So did you find peace? Yeah, that's, yeah, exactly. That's why I said beliefs and such. Who is that peace? It's going to be the man who, who we now know is Jesus Christ. Amen. Yeah. Um, you don't have any more questions about that? Or? No. <laughs> he made himself clear to you? Yeah, very evident. Um, touched your heart and healed this filled up void. Yeah. So, for you, how do you describe that moment? Was it just ultimate surrender? Or what, how would you describe well, that moment? Well, I mean, it was, it was, I can't say that it was one moment, because this was 10 years, pretty much like, I don't see it as one, one individual moment where it all just sort of I, I hear people that have that experience. They say, like, oh, yeah, plenty. I mean, like, I, I ran into people, because during that 10 years, for almost five of them, I was traveling around basically living out of a backpack and over on, like, the eastern Sikh seaboard, you know, up and down the east coast, southwest, Pacific northwest, right up to Alaska, actually Hawaii, and back here. Um, I met Jesus freaks. I actually like that. It's like a term of endearment now. Um, met Jesus freaks who were all, like living on the road at that point in time too, living in hostels and stuff. And that was just where they happened to be during their own walk. Um, and so just having conversations with them and sort of sharing my, my story, they would share their story and it would just sort of little reminders along the road of uh, there are still people that hold this to be true. And uh, that, yeah. So he was faithful. He never, he never left you. Yeah. No. Yeah. But, yeah. And I never, n- not once did I ever profess like God did not exist because I knew that life. That was another thing too. Like with, uh, and I mentioned earlier that that um, the question, like you know, why are we here? That question. Why do I exist? Is there meaning behind it? I, I always could tell. I knew God existed because life is too complex and perfect. Like all the complex processes of our bodies and the, the earth and such and such. Uh, kind of like the scripture says, you know, only the fool says in his heart that there is no God. Like that's, that's madness, essentially. So I believed, you know, that, that he did exist. I just wasn't sure if it was personal, basically. If it was, if this was legitimate, if this was a creation, you know, by man that that was in need of that sort of comfort, um, in in sort of what most people think is an indifferent universe that uh, is too large to care. But so no, I I believed in God. I realized that He existed and knew there there. Yeah, that He was there. Now, so tuition, what's coming up? Yeah. Uh, you're doing, I think, GoFundMe. There's things that you're looking for. Yes. The encouragement of support. Right, yeah. You've got and some t-shirts out there. Yeah. I want to buy a t-shirt. Yeah, so as like a fundraiser <coughs> for, for myself, yeah, I decided to print off t-shirts. I just had an idea. And so 
yeah, my mom is actually modeling one. Um, so, so those, yeah, those I'm I'm selling for for twenty bucks a piece. Is sort of a suggested donation, and um, I do, yeah, yeah. I, I'm gonna set them up on on the table outside. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I think I have like twenty three of them. She has one. I have one. So. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I've got small, medium, large, and extra large. Yeah. Small, medium, large, and extra large. Um, but also, don't you have GoFundMe and some I do. Available? Yeah. And um, and obviously, um, yes. GoFundMe is essentially just a, fun, a fundraiser page for anyone that, that does want to uh, that that doesn't have the ability, I guess, to to uproot themselves. And just you know, rip yourself away from family or job and whatnot, and you do feel like being a part of it in a, in a large way because that is enormous. Um, I'm actually just I've broken half half of the uh, tuition that it's Thank it's going to cost me Lord. basically ten thousand dollars to to go. Amen. So and uh, yeah, yeah, I've been I've been blessed with two good jobs um, that I work and make good money and have been able to, to save a lot. Now how do they find the GoFundMe? So I have a, I have a link that I can give you. Um, yeah, I think I guess the best way. I, either I can gather emails and ship the link out that way or or even phone numbers, text message, whatever, however people want to do oh, that. Are you going to have a page that we can follow? You can sign up for yeah. the Yeah, well, yeah, so the GoFundMe page is sort of its standalone. That's we a fun, the fundraiser page. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seth, I'm sure you guys are planning on uh, like a Facebook page or something like that, just updates like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. Okay, cool. Okay. There's double slips back there that Norm printed out. So what okay. you might do is just write on those and maybe put them on the table yeah. with your T-shirt. Totally. Oh yeah, so just get them out with the T-shirt. And you sure. might do the same set, whatever. Once we're all done sure. with this, that way everybody Definitely. can follow. Okay. Uh, so they can support. Them. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. That was one thing. I had an idea of just. I had an idea of, uh, of either just like sending out monthly or biweekly sure. emails to, to to you guys, and then even I'll have a Facebook that I'll be updating. Um, yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, that's what I was gonna say too. That's cash is not the uh, that's not the number one priority or need. Definitely. Is prayer is going to be huge. Any other questions of anybody? So there's the Facebook, obviously, that I'll be updating on, but yeah. then it, for any of the younger right. people I know, there's probably not a whole lot of people that are on Instagram here, but um, I do have an Instagram. Do you really have an Instagram? <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> awesome. I mean, yeah, I'll be updating. Yeah, yeah. I just, I like I like the pictures, being able to throw a picture up and then, and then caption. Yeah, yeah definitely. Really so, yeah. So that's pretty much it in, in a nutshell. Thank you. Test one, two, three, yeah.
God and I have been talking together as you were talking. I didn't hear a word you said because I forgot my hearing aids. They're in my room. This is what God said. God had to see his son crucified. It grieved him. It hurt him, but he had to keep his eyes on us. That was his focus. What he said. He said he predestined you before you was ever born. And he had a plan for your life. And he said as you went through what you went through through your life, it grieved him. It said he had to permit it so you would have compassion. He said, I had mercy on you because I knew I would send you one day to people that needed mercy, but said, because of your compassion with these people, I will be able to deliver and heal many. And my son, that's why you had to walk through all the things that you walked through. But it will be turned around, and you will use the very things to deliver many other people, and they will be set free because I predestined you. And I will bring you into people that you won't even know their languages, but you will have the compassion and know and see. And because of your compassion is what will bring the healing and deliverance to many, because I have delivered you and healed you. And it was for this time that you'd be predestined for and know that I'm with you. Hallelujah. Just thank you, Jesus. Amen. We love you, Stephen. After Seth is done, yeah, we're going to send them, pray over them both and send them out. Are you ready, Seth? Come on, brother. You can put your hands together. Yeah, yeah. You know Seth. If you don't know him, you're going to remember him after today. Come on. <laughs> yes, my prophetic Hawaiian shirt. Before we move too quickly, uh, hot dang. Betty stole my words. <laughs> I was I was gonna deliver the same exact word. You have uh, you can turn me down. I'm gonna get louder. Uh, uh, yeah. You have uh, an incredible divine gift of compassion. It's a grace upon you, and and grace uh, just to go into it uh, is is God's power moving through you. And uh, and so it's going to come upon you at certain points. And uh, don't be afraid of your tears. My my mentor would always say, don't be afraid of your tears, for they point to your destiny. And and tears just are a symbol. Uh, you know, you know, the world says guys don't cry, or or it's a sign of weakness. No, it, the scripture says it's a sign of softness. And you need your heart soft because when your heart's soft, then you can be sown into. And God won't be mocked whatever he sows into a person. He will reap. And that's my, my prayer. Everything that you've sown into me, Lord, reap a harvest. Reap a harvest because uh, and it's just, it's just going to bless. I feel like you're called to the least of these, which is such a high calling in that gift and, and grace of compassion will come upon you. Uh, the least of these are people that the world has forgotten about. And, and, and it says in the scripture, that's where Jesus is. 
It's the low places. You were called to the low places, Stephen. And and you like I I know you were nervous up here, but you have an incredible gift of communication. And 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 you're gonna learn how to flow in the grace that God has placed on your life. But uh it's gonna be such a beautiful thing. And an, another thing I feel like uh over your life, you've been in constant search, an uh, an authentic search for the authentic. And that's exactly what you're going to get. The Lord is laying out the, the, the lines of truth and you're saying yes to them. But He's going to fill up the man. He's going to fill you up with the authentic spirit. Because that's what we're, that's what we're after. You're, you're after the, the authentic. And so you're going to get nothing less. The, one of the greatest promises, I, all, I will always say this, of, of the Scripture, if you seek Me with all of your heart, you will find Me. Come on. There you go, Ed. <laughs> There's going to be a... That's my um. <laughs> Think about that. You seek me with all of your heart. And we all know what all of your heart means. We all have a plumb line where we say all of your heart. We have all had times where we've kept some of our heart from the Lord. And He says all of your heart. He's a jealous God. He's a good God. He's a jealous God. And even when we're teetering on all of your heart, He's so good that He'll sit and He'll watch and He'll say, oh, but I know who you really are. I know what you're really after. I know what your, your desires really are. So you will find Me. You, you will be brought into a place of all of your heart. And that's where you're at, Stephen. And that's what you're going to get. He's not a partial God. He's, he's an all-consuming fire. And I love Him so much because that's, that's the whole reason why I'm, I'm in this deal. God is beautiful. And His people are beautiful. And when you, when you step into who you really are, and you get to, you have the privilege of encountering people with the God that's in on the inside of you, that compassion flowing in you and through you. I mean, there's been times where I've been on the work site, this, these construction men, hardened construction men that don't cry. <laughs> they just don't. <laughs> their, their hearts are as hard as the concrete they're working on. <laughs> there's, there's a story, I'm not going to get into it, but there was this time where... Uh, this carpenter I knew well because we worked together for about five years, and uh, he had a real mocking spirit on him. You know, he I just let people know I I you know, my my whole philosophy is if they're going to be as worldly as they are, I'm going to be who I am, and I'm I'm not going to live under a basket. My life doesn't belong in a basket. I'm not a basket head. It's it's you are the light of the world. So let your light so shine before men. Let your light so shine before men. You're, you're not made for a basket. You're not made to submit to the rules and regulations of this life. In, in, in regards to, my boss just ticks me off. And, 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 and who, what's his problem? You were not made for that. You were made for light. You were made to be other than people. You were made to be a peculiar person where light shines in the darkness. Right? So let them mock. My light will outshine the darkness every time. My love will outshine 
the hatred in their hearts and they will see one day because the kingdom of God is, is if a man sows, right? And if there's nothing sown, there's nothing grown. You have to sow. How much time do I have, by the way? <laughs> Someone, like, wave at me, like, uh, if I, you know, because I got to wave at, like, the 15-minute mark. <laughs> yeah, and I want to be sensitive to that. I know you guys have so much time in your day, I want to be sensitive to that. But I'm just flowing. I just got to. Where was I? Where's the wave that I was just on? Oh, so, okay. So I'm on this construction site. That I have this relationship with this uh, carpenter. He's always mocking the Jesus within me, but Jesus can't be mocked. What do you do with a man that can't be mocked? Come on. What do you do with uh, uh, someone that, that cannot be bought out by the world and, and, and is Teflon to your words because he knows who he is, he knows that the Father sent him into the world and he's become the light of the world. So why would you be affected by the darkness if you were meant to be light? Come on, you, you look at Jesus' life. He was never affected by what men said. He never was affected by the rejection of man. And so he was the influencer instead of the one being influenced. He wasn't so hurt by the church. Come on. <laughs> Come on, can I preach a little bit? He wasn't so hurt by the church that you could see that stain on his life. But he was pure white. He was light. And pure and undefiled religion is this, to care for the widow and orphan. Now, not everybody's a widow, not everybody's an orphan in the natural, but we have a ton of widows, the body of Christ that, that, have, that has not known her husband, the, the orphans that have not known their, their father. And keep, and keep we, we, we always go to the widows and the orphans. Pure and undefiled religion is this, James says. To care for the widows and the orphans and to keep oneself unstained by the world. And beloved, that's not just doing drugs and drinking alcohol. That means that you were meant to be Teflon in this life. You were meant to be unhurtable. Can I say that? You were meant to walk as Jesus walked. Blessed are those who who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for great is the reward in the kingdom of heaven. What if you were unhurtable just like Jesus? What if you were unstainable? You ever met someone that's been stained by life? That just walks around with their head held low? <laughs> because life has just taken them through the rotor and, and, and you see life upon them? I've been hurt by the church. I've been doing this. I've been doing this. Why are you so touchable? Why are you so hurtable when we have such a great gospel and a great Jesus Christ who has redeemed you and had compassion upon you and has cleansed you of every iniquity? Why are you holding the iniquities of others against them? That's the gospel. That's the gospel lens. Pure and undefiled religion is to keep yourself unstained by the world. Teflon. So that you are able to be here and, and, and able to serve them from here. You don't see, the only reason why you're trying to hurt me or trying to say negative things about me is just because you don't understand. You can't see. You're blind. 
But if I shine, if I show you the gospel through my life, it's over. When has darkness ever lost a battle with light? Where's the darkness in this room? Come on. It's time to be light. Oh my God, I circle this around, Holy Spirit. I'm not going to do anything. I'm letting Jesus take the wheel. So I'm in this relationship with this uh, carpenter dude, and I'm just loving on this guy no matter what. And uh, there was one day where we were working on the same job I do painting as a as a uh, trade. We're working on the same job, and he starts asking me questions, and I feel the pull like he's asking me real questions. They're not mocking questions anymore. And he's asking me these questions about life and about, and I'm just like, this is, this is crazy. Like, and I'm just responding to him. I'm just uh, talking to him. I'm talking about the significance about baptism, about new life, what it means to be born again, leaving all things behind and, and, and coming into the resurrection power of Jesus, being raised anew in completely new life. And he's like, that's what I need. I need that holy desperation and i just was like hey can i pray over you and it felt like the most unanointed prayer ever we're dirty and and uh he's full of grout and i'm full of paint and i just laid my hand on him and i said god just consume him let let the love that you have for him just be manifest to his soul fill him with your love and the big burly dude grabs me <laughs> i couldn't even escape him he grabs me, he wraps me, and I, I, I hold him, and I start hearing this splatter on the ground. I thought the grout was falling on the ground. It was such a noise. It was hitting the floor. I look down, and, and it's his big tears. This man, this, this guy, away from the church, he has a very similar story to you, Stephen. Just weeping in my arms, and he's swearing and it's the most holy swearing I've ever heard. <laughs> because he was encountering Jesus. And I had this thought as I'm holding this man, because it was just natural just to hug him back, and I'm just loving on this guy, and I'm just like, wait a minute. Like, oh my gosh, I get to be your arms right now. Jesus, these arms that I have right now are your arms. And this is incredible. I, I don't want to live any other life. That, that's the gift, gift of compassion that the Lord... Um, oh, it's going to come upon me now. What, you got a spirit of tears up here or what? <laughs> but that's, that's what's going to come, come upon you and that's, that's the kind of stuff that's going to happen to you, man. You just, you just keep on going after the authentic because God will give it to you, man. It's not religion that you're after. It's not uh, getting it all right or getting, you know, it's not even about your mess-ups, you know. It's about His unconditional love and you just pursuing Him, just becoming like Him. That's a good life. Yeah. So my story is a bit different than uh, Stephen's uh, of, of why I'm here and I'm wearing a Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> <laughs> and uh Holy 
Spirit, just help me. I just want to pray real quick. Just help me uh, be concise and just honor um, your people's time. And I, I just pray that we uh, would just get so much out of this because you would speak to us and you would speak to the promises. And it wouldn't just be a, a forecast or a story about my life, but it would be your story about redemption, your story about your faithfulness, your story about your promises. Because that's who you are, Jesus. That's who you are. Love you. Amen. Yeah. So I'm not going to dive into my whole testimony, but uh, I will say this, that uh, the nations have always been deep in my heart. And... uh, I went. To, I came to Maine about ten years ago. Well, it was ten years. This last July marks my ten-year anniversary in New England. And I came as a young man. Now, now I'm starting a new branch of uh, YWAM called AWAM because uh, I think you know just adults with a with a mission. Because <laughs> this last birthday, I I, I kind of forgot how old I was, and I told Lonnie I had to count the rings in my in my head. Just to remind myself how old I was, right? <laughs> so I'm starting AWAM for all you folks that want to come out and do missions with us and whatnot. So, uh, but uh, so always had uh, missions in my heart. I love culture. I love uh, you know just submitting myself to different people's culture, but mostly encountering the culture. With, uh, other people's culture with the culture of heaven because the culture of the kingdom of God surpasses every other culture. You take a look in the book of Revelation and what do you see there? One of the, the best praise services you've ever seen in your life. It's every tribe, tongue, and nation singing, Holy is the Lamb. Beloved, get a picture in your mind of what the worship service in heaven is going to be like. You're going to hear every tribe, tongue, and nation. Jamaica, come on. The islands, from Asia to Africa, in their own native language, in their own culture. God is not just an American God. He's not an American God. We worship Him as Americans. But the, the worship service in the book of Revelation, there's every culture lifting up the name of Jesus. And there was something in me that said, I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of the net bringing that in. And... uh I had no idea how that was going to manifest because at, during my course of 10 years that I've been here in New England, I've been a uh, local church pastor. And I just was faithful to that. But literally the seed of promise was in my heart. The, the, the promise of God was sown into my heart as a seed. Now we've all heard the, the, the scripture, uh, a promise delayed or a desire delayed makes the heart grow sick. But a promise fulfilled is a tree of life. You ever realize that it's, it's a tree? God recognizes His promises as a tree of life. A tree starts off as a seed. So don't despise your promises. Don't despise the, the small beginnings that the Lord has given you because it might be just in seed form. But trees... There's something special about trees because it's generational. It surpasses your time upon the earth. It's not just about your life. Your promise is so much bigger than your life. 
God's promises is always about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So they, they could eat the fruit off the tree that you held as a seed. Come on. Come on, you may, can't make that stuff up. That's Jesus. <laughs> I'm going to tell you a couple stories uh, that I haven't shared here before. This was pre-Maine, pre maine pre New England, and I didn't even know I was going here. <laughs> and uh, I was just, I was a lot like Stephen in his shoes right now. I'm just like, God, I'm ready for whatever you have for me. And uh, we were in this, this awesome company of young people praying and fasting for America underneath uh, this guy named Lou Engel. And during that 40-day fast, I got encountered by this dream. This is a little bit more of the backstory. I got encountered by this dream. It's one of the most powerful dreams that I've ever had sent by the Lord. I'm going to tell you a couple of them today. <clears throat> so I, we're literally in Nashville, Tennessee, and they're in the middle of a, of a drought, a natural drought. And we're laying on uh, just mattresses on the floor, sleeping. So I'm I'm having this dream. I'm in this uh, police. Uh, I'm in this car, and and uh, the car surpasses a, a police car. And I I start saying to the driver, I want out of this car. So I get out of this car and I start walking. And suddenly I run into none other than Lou Engel, but he's dressed up like a police officer, and he's dressed up. And and I knew he was this guard in the dream. And I start talking to Lou. I, and I I remember in the dream I started saying. Okay, now I don't want to be a minister. I want to be a police officer just like Lou, just like in the dream. I want to be a police officer just like, just like Lou. And I started even planning out in my mind how I was going to go to the police academy and all this different stuff. And I just started mapping out my life in the dream. And I start talking to Lou and I say, Lou, what's some of your, your, your greatest dreams that you've had when you were a young person? And he said, well, I've lived out some of my greatest dreams already, but, and when he said but, in the natural, my phone rings and wakes me up from the dream. I don't know if that's ever happened to you before, but like I instantly try to like get back to the dream. I don't know. I was half asleep probably. <laughs> I was like trying to go back into the dream, and, and I was just like, no! Like he was going to tell me, like, you know, just this. You, you get what I'm saying. <laughs> And as I'm like trying to fall back asleep, I hear this pitter-patter on the, on the metal roof. And suddenly it starts downpouring on, this, on the, the roof above us. And the Lord spoke to my heart so clearly. He said, this is Lou's dream, the ladder rings. And I'm like in bed like this, right? And I'm pondering, like, is this God? Did I really hear that? And as I'm pondering this, a drop comes from the ceiling and hits me right in my forehead like I was being anointed. And the Lord said to me, and you will have a part in it. You will have a part in it. It's Joel 2. In the last days, I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. And beloved, I'm telling you, I'm, t I'm declaring to you that in the last days, God will have a harvest due to one of the greatest outpourings of His Spirit worldwide. There, there's coming a worldwide baptism of His Holy Spirit. And it's coming. 
Christ's coming. It's the latter rains before the great and terrible day of the Lord. Before He lays down the gauntlet, He will bring the greatest wave of grace and bring in the greatest harvest that the world's ever seen. Every tribe, tongue, and nation. And and just like when Acts two happened, where Peter was able to identify what's going on here, well. That is this. Acts 2 is Joel 2. I'm declaring to you today, there's coming another Joel 2, Acts 2 moment worldwide. And, and we have the privilege of walking in that, walking with that, ushering the great and coming day of the Lord in. I'm, I'm so confident in that. So I'm like, this is awesome. So then I get... Sh- divinely orchestrated to come to Maine and, and go figure, I hadn't read Lou's book, Redigging the Wells of Revival yet. So I, I crack open the book, just want to be inspired, and, and I'm reading books about revival. And I read this, this paragraph in this book, and he starts talking in 1996. Uh, I was in this revival tent meeting the, the, the presence of God was so thick in the, in the room, and he started asking the Lord, what should I preach on? And he said, just then, a drop came down from the ceiling, hit him in the forehead like he was being anointed. And he starts prophesying. He grabbed the mic, started prophesying about the latter day outpouring of God's Spirit that it would be like as in the days of Noah where the floodgates open up and the wells of revival will open and the, the latter rains will pour out. And I knew as I read that, I just... are ridiculous because that's what he's doing that's God's business he's inviting us if we're if we have a willing heart if we have a heart to hear if we have eyes to see and ears to hear he's there's an invitation right now to partner with the Holy Spirit and what he's doing in the earth and here I was a 22 year old kid not knowing just a snot-nosed guy you know not knowing anything about life (laughs) And he's saying, I want, you, I want to divinely partner with you in this. I said, all right. And that was the seed in my heart. And I tell you what, <laughs> a desire unfulfilled really makes the heart grow sick. Because 10 years, I know 10 years is not a long time, but it was a quick process where I just felt like, was that ambition, Lord? Was that... And, and, and God has a way in the, in the innocence of ignorance, like when we first receive that, that seed of promise. We say yes to the Lord. He says, okay, that's the way. And we're like, that's the way? I thought it was that way. He says, no, that's the way. Because your character and who you become in the process of the promise the stewardship that he requires of that promise is more important to him than, than the promise. He will grant his promise. His promises are yes and amen. He will do it aside from you. He's so good and he's so faithful to his word. He will do it apart from you. But he wants partnership. He wants partnership. And at the time, we were incompatible. <laughs> and he doesn't change. <laughs> so he decides, I'm going to get my hands in the clay and I'm going to mold you into 
compatible partner. That's why it gets so difficult sometimes. That's why the pruner comes and, and starts clipping off things that we... Th- God, I'm bearing fruit. Why are you cutting away? Why are you cutting away? Have you ever seen a bush that has been pruned? It looks dead. It looks like it's been pruned. But it's unto greater fruitfulness. It's unto that promise fulfilled, that tree of life. You don't want to be a tree of death. You want to be a tree of life. So you yield to the process. You hold on to the promise. And you say, Lord, Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. You're not a man that you should lie. And I want to declare that over this church. You're not a man that you shall lie. The, promise of this, the promises of the Lord are yes and amen. Because you don't want your heart sick. You don't want to turn into a stained You don't want to have your heart stained by the world to where you hear the promises of the Lord and say, oh, I've heard that one before. Where life has stained you. No. You were created to be pure. You were created to be unstained by the world. Where you're like a child. Come on, it's, it's, it's the difference of Zechariah and Mary. The same angel's... The same angel, Gabriel, came to Zechariah and said, I heard your prayers. The Father heard your prayers. There's coming a son to your barren wife. And his response was, how can this be? I know the years I just spent. Hasn't the priest ever read Abraham? <laughs> but his heart was stained by life. He allowed him his, his eye gate to be skewed by what had happened in the past. The same angel encounters Mary, the virgin. Says, God will bear you a a son. How can this be? Same question, different heart. I I want you guys to see this. It's in Luke. You can read it later. (laughs) I'm I'm preaching out out of the gospel of Luke, though. Gabriel encounters Zechariah. And Mary, and they both had the same question in their heart, but different heart motive behind the question. Your heart motive means everything to the Lord. It means something. I know there's been some preachers that say, oh, go ahead and throw a pity party to the Lord. Why would you want that in your heart in the first place? You weren't made to be a pity party. You were made to make impact in the world. So stop with the pity party. That, that needs to die. Because it's not of the gospel. It's not of Jesus. It's not of this new way of life. You were meant to be like Mary, untouched, a virgin, pure, like a child. Isn't, wouldn't it be beautiful if you went through the hard... Like, life is hard. But if you went through the hardness of life and became not hard, and your heart was always soft, and we were always able to cry, Stephen, because our heart has, has been softened by the gospel, we just see things differently because God has transformed our lives. And when He's given us a promise, we actually believe His Word because we don't, we don't take an account of yesterday because that doesn't determine my God. My God is determined by His Word and His faithfulness. But here's the deal. God's so faithful to His promise that He, he muted Zechariah because our words have power, right, Betty Green? <laughs> our words have power. So He says, oh, I'm going to shut you up so you don't wreck this. 
I'm going to silent the, the voice of unbelief so you can see this unfold. And the moment he says, this is John, this beautiful prophecy comes forth. This son will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, the, the children to the fathers. It's this huge, momentum, momentous occasion. You don't want to be muted in this life because your voice is the voice of unbelief. You want to be like Mary. As your word has said, so let it be unto me. Come on. As your word, let's just say that together. As your word has said, so let it be unto me. Don't let your heart be stained, beloved. Because God is faithful. And you will see one day just how faithful he is. They were both delivered the promise. Why? Not because Zechariah was so righteous, but because. God's promise was so much bigger than Zechariah. And God longs for that prophet to pave the way for salvation to come to the earth. So life isn't that hard if you look through the lens of the Gospel. Because God is good. And He, he always, I want to tell you this, I want to declare it loud, God always, 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 always has redemption in mind. He's the God of redemption. All right. I've got to tell my story before I get too far into this. So I'm holding this, this, this seed of promise in my heart. And uh, I, 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 was, I was becoming like Zechariah in some ways where I just was like, just being honest, can I be open with you? I just was feeling that. Just the sting. You ever felt the sting? You ever felt plagued by, by the promises? There's this song by Jason Upton where he, he begins to say, oh, plagued by your promises, words that you've spoken, desires that you've placed in me, faithfully you'll, you will complete. But that first line, plagued by your promises, who would have thought that the promises of God would feel like, just like, okay, God, I'd rather not just believe in this. I'd rather just, believe, you know, and then you check in. And then you realize, like, okay, that's just the flesh. Just let that die, 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 you know? God's so gracious. So last year at the feast, this is my promise unfolding, where God has placed the nations in my heart. Last year at the feast, I got this dream. And I believe I even shared it that Sunday morning, I believe the word that I even delivered was at uh, the feast, uh, the uh, Praise Chapel Harvest as a body was going to send, was going to be an epicenter of sending into the nations and look what the Lord has done. Come on. That's awesome. I love it when he confirms my words because it just, I don't have to get stoned in the back, you know, like just false prophet stuff, you know. Okay, so I get this dream. I'm going to just reiterate this dream. And I'm at this Chicago Cubs box office, and I, I purchase my ticket to go inside for $28. I go in, and I see my, my friends, the Castiles, in, this, in the stadium. The Castiles are the, this beautiful couple. I spent time with them with Lou Engle, they were running with me. They were praying and fasting. We were just covenant friends. And they just so happened to be 
in Kona, Hawaii, uh, some of the major leaders at, at, at YWAM. So I see them in this dream. That's in the natural, not dream life. <laughs> so I see them, and I, I say to them, uh, we start talking about the Cubs and about the World Series and about promise. And he goes, hey, man, do you want to see my field of promise? I said, yes, I would, I would love to see your, your field of promise. So he, he takes me down by the hand. And he shows me this big field, and, and all around the field there was this caution tape. And I start instantly tearing down this caution tape, and I enter into the field. And in this field I see this huge plant with, with big pearls on top, and I pick up the plant, and I see this mouth at the root system, and it, and it ate the negative things in the garden. I knew in the dream it ate the negative things in the garden, and it produced these pearls as a result. Wake up from the dream in the presence of God. I knew it was from the Lord. And instantly I started getting a download of, of just the, the symbolism of the dream that when it comes to promise, don't use caution. But it's Matthew 13. The kingdom of God is like a man who, who finds the pearl of great price, sells all that he has, and buys the field. Matthew 13. So I start dialoguing with the Lord because I felt like the cubs were significant. So I, I say, why the cubs, God? And he starts bringing to my mind just uh, the, this radio broadcast because at the time the Cubs were uh, in the playoffs and they were struggling in the playoffs. And I said, why the Cubs? And, and he said, uh, he brought to this, this uh, radio broadcast back to mind. He said uh, that baseball is a sport that you have to let the game come to you. You can't strive. You can't make it happen. You have to let the game come to you. And the Lord spoke to my heart really clearly. He says, I'm a, I'm a God who operates out of grace and out of rest. And you can't get to your promise but through grace and rest. And I'm like, God, that's good. That's really good. And, and he, when I'm pondering that, the Lord speaks to my heart and the Cubs aren't cursed. Because I don't know if you, you baseball junkies, there was this whole thing, 109 years, the Cubby curse over Chicago. If, you, if you're not from Chicago, you probably won't feel the sting of the cubby curse, but I know this brother does. I'm, come on. We're not cursed, baby. <laughs> I'm sorry I slapped your hand so hard. <laughs> so the cubs aren't cursed. I'm like, sweet, I got the word of the Lord. Cubs aren't cursed. <laughs> and I, I, I originally thought my, this word was for my friends, the Castillos. I call them up from Hawaii. No, no, from Vermont to Hawaii. I was literally in the upper room over there. I'm going to town with this word and, and I'm saying, don't use caution to get to promise, buy the field, all this different stuff. The cubs aren't cursed. I'm just going at it. Bah! You know? And I knew that, that I purchased my ticket for $28. I knew that was significant too. But the Lord wasn't revealing that to my heart yet. So I just let it go. The Cubs win the World Series in, in like historic fashion. They were down Three games to one. None, no other time in history has this happened where they were able to come back from a three-to-one deficit. And it was super dramatic, super crazy. But when the Cubs won the World Series, we're like, ah, the Cubs aren't cursed. Life goes on. So I you know, didn't think really anything of it. I'm just living my life, go back to work, be the best husband and dad I can be. Well, then in... The springtime, my boss comes up to me. He says, hey, guess what? My, my boss is also my really good friend. He says, I feel like, because he does scuba diving for a hobby, he goes, I'm, I feel like I, I want to go to Kona, Hawaii, scuba diving. I said, that's awesome. I know this couple out there, the Castillos. You should hook up with them. 
and YWAM while you're out there. He's like, yeah, if I got time. So he flies out to Kona, Hawaii. I'm man of the business because I'm one of the supervisors here back home. And uh, he encounters this YWAMer there in, in, in Kona. And the YWAMer goes, oh, it just so happens to be this week, uh, Todd White came out here, and he's going to be ministering the whole week. And we're huge fans like Todd White or just just love Todd. We love Todd. If you haven't heard him or seen him, Todd White, look him up. It's good stuff. So I'm just, he texts me on the phone, Todd White uh, is here. This is awesome. And I respond back saying, uh, that's crazy, man. Can I come? And I'm, I'm just joking around like guys do. And he goes, dude, if you've if you got uh, enough guts, I'll fly out here with my flyer miles. So that was literally on Sunday. And on, on Wednesday, I'm on this flight to Hawaii. Unplanned trip, full expenses paid, trip to Hawaii. Needless to say, this doesn't happen to me very much. People, this doesn't happen to me very much. I'm going to say it one more time. This never happens to me. I'm in the mundane life. It will start happening more, though. I felt Betty Green on that one. Uh, It will start happening more. Right, Betty? Come on. Bless the Lord. So now I'm on the plane. I say, God, this is so out of my box. This feels like you. This smells like you. I don't know what you're up to, but Lord, I'm an open canvas. Whatever you want to do, whatever you want to speak to me, I'm so ready for you to just speak. So the only catch is my my boss's hotel room couldn't fit the two of us, so I had to stay with my friends to Castile. Bummer. I wanted to stay with them anyway. The next morning, they take me out on the YWAM campus, and I'm thinking this is going to be some ragtag campus of missionaries sleeping on the floors. I've been in those atmospheres before, so it's nothing I've ever seen new. The, the campus blew me away. The excellence that they use and, and just the abilities that they train these kids in just blew me away. Everything from training kids into the trades so they have something to offer to the nations, farming. I mean, they just had every aspect. I mean, it's, it was amazing. Multi-million dollar uh, facility. The community there was just amazing. It was blowing me away. Fully accredited um, uh, school Oh, to where their kids went into the school and, and uh, uh, became missionaries. I, I just was blown away. And I found my heart saying, Lord, I wish my family could be a part of something like this. And when I said that in my heart, the Lord brought back that dream and said, see, the Castiles are showing you the field of promise right now. It's un- unfolding right before your eyes. It was amazing. I was like stunned. We're leading to this worship service to to hear Todd White speak, and I'm in worship. And and God interrupts my worship and says, it's Acts 28. And I knew he was referring to the interpretation of the dream, my ticket. I open up to Acts 28, and uh, first of all, I I hope that Acts had 28 chapters, because I I was like, hopefully that's God. (laughs) I open to Acts 28, and the first verse is, and then they learned that the island was called Malta. So here I'm on the big island. I get this verse. And then they learned that the island was called Malta. I look up the word Malta, and it literally means land of honey. And it gets its name from the land of milk and honey. It's the promised land. Promise. It was the seed on the inside. It was the seed coming into maturity. It was the seed developing into a tree. Come on. 
just got that. I just got that one, Stephen. Me and Stephen are going to just throw revelation back and forth. I feel it. So uh, I'm like blown away and I'm like intimidated by the implications of this because I'm settled and comfortable back home. Um, I, I'm, I was raised to work hard and support my family and, and this has a whole new way of life for us. Plus my wife just went through an intense season of, of uh, anxiety. I, and I wanted to be sensitive to where she was at, not just drop a bomb on her. Well, we're, I'm moving to the family to Hawaii. Well, that's exactly what I did. <laughs> I came back home. I told her everything that, w- that, that was happening. And I said, I'm so confident that the Lord is speaking, that he's going to confirm it just as strongly to your heart. And, uh, and that will be our, co- our ultimate confirmation that we're supposed to do this. So then... I'm like, okay, God, you heard what I just said. Go back it up, right? So I'm calling these different uh, people in my life that I, I trust and that I know that will pray with us uh, during this decision process. We hadn't made a decision yet. I just felt like God was speaking. Called up Lonnie, and uh, uh, I'm so tremendously happy that you guys have. I, I heard that you guys have been praying for us for months now. So tremendously happy, and all of this couldn't have been possible without you. Prayer is amazing, and I, I'm, I'm so I'm, I'm very grateful for your encouragement, your support all the way along. Uh, support is much greater than just finance. So, uh, it, and it's a partnership. So, uh, I call up this guy Rod Hall. He was a, a father in uh, in Lou Ingalls' ministry that I was really close to. And my intention of calling him was to just tell him the dream and everything that we felt like the Lord was calling us to pray into. But I started small talking to him on the phone. I said, hey, Rod, how's it going? This is before I told him anything. It's going well. Uh, Lou's, you know, and and I I said, how's uh, discipleship going down in Pasadena? Because that's where they're discipling right now, Pasadena, California. So how's discipleship going on? He said, we're doing good, but we're in this transition. I said, oh, yeah, where are you transitioning to? He said, we're, we're moving and we're transitioning to Kona, Hawaii. I said, well, that's actually why I'm calling you. It turns out that Lou Engel is planting a bolo base out there in Kona, Hawaii, where they're going to send young people as intercessory missionaries to the ends of the earth uh, before the coming day of the Lord, partnering with YWAM and all that deal. So I'm just like, this is crazy, God. You're you're really confirming it to my heart. Like I don't need it. Get her. Like get my wife. Like I'm just like, and I'm I'm confident because the Lord has been speaking. So me, this is uh, I'm almost I'm almost there, guys. I'm sorry. But uh, we in the meantime we were, I felt like the Lord was to have us pray for this list of things that we're we're just making inquiry of the Lord at the top of the list. From the time that this is, this started, we had marriage in unity. So we were praying that our marriage would be in unity. We were praying that our callings would be wrapped in unity, that we'd have this oneness that is supernatural, that, that only God could do. And uh, that's significant, so just remember that. And at the time, I, call, I uh, emailed Lou Engel, uh, my, my mentor from way back when, Emailed him back in March, just telling him the dream and asking him to pray and just any advice that he could possibly give us 
we'd be open for it. So then life goes on. It's like months that pass by, and we're about to have my son Max, right? It's like a week before Max is born, and uh, my uh, my wife goes on this this trip with her mom because she's sick of being pregnant. She wants to find these bumpy roads to induce pregnancy. So I guess that that's supposed to work or something like that. Right, move things along. She was ready. So her mom and her are taking this random drive, and she's going left and right, left, left, right, right. And, and it's just as spontaneous as can be. And on this trip, my wife asks for a confirmation about Hawaii. So they end up in a place, a town called Unity, Maine, right? Unity, Maine. And it just so happened to be one of the only days out of years that I'm working in Unity on that same day. They were going to visit me. So we're both in Unity, right? That was our prayer. (laughs) We're in Unity. And she encounters this field that I played football on about a a couple years ago. And the, the field is called Field of Dreams. And it hits her heart, but she's like, why is this so significant to me? The very next day, so it was months before Lou emailed me back. The very next day, Lou emails me back and retitles the message of the email, Field of Dreams. I'm not making this up. This is crazy, right? So the day prior, she was in unity with me, and she encountered the Field of Dreams. The next day, we get the Field of Dreams email. And Lou's like, this is Matthew 13. There comes a point in time where you have to lay claim to the promises and lay claim to your, uh, your calling. It's time to buy the field, basically, and summarize it. It's time to buy the field. I feel that prophetically. It's time to buy the field. It's time to buy the field. Because you don't have to be sent to YWAM to buy your field. It's your field of influence. It's what God's promised you. Come on, I'm going to preach this. I don't care if this is going past the time. Don't let your heart grow sick. Sell all you have and buy the field. Maybe that doesn't mean literally. But maybe it means every predisposition that you may have had that's just baggage that needs to be sold to buy the field. Buy the field. So we'll like, it totally clicks my, my wife into unity with me. Right? It literally does. In the spirit and natural, we're in unity now. We're like, okay, we're going to have this baby now. We've got to be responsible adults. On July 3rd, my wife goes into labor with our son, Maximus Brave. That's what we wanted to call him months back. She goes into labor on, on July 3rd at night, and I notice my nurse, our delivery nurse, is of oriental background. And I know in my spirit, this woman is from Hawaii. So I dare to ask her, where are you originally from? And she goes, to my surprise, I'm from Hawaii. <laughs> and I'm so, When she said that, I'm not joking. It was like a waterfall of his presence and his grace. It was like Jacob coming up from his dream saying, I, I did not know, but this place is Bethel. This place is Bethel. This is a thin place before between heaven and earth. And you're right there. And as my <laughs> as 
the man of the house and I want to provide for my, what am I doing? Am I chasing this pipe dream, God? What do you have me do right now? I could have done when I was single or when we were just us. And we're about to have this newborn baby. And, and God's saying, you stay focused, Maximus brave, be strong, courageous, because the promise is now. It's time to buy the field. Boom. Come on. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> That's good, Betty. Come on. That's an Ed command. <laughs> he was born on July, uh, the 4th of July. He has the most epic birth certificate I could ever imagine. Maximus Brave Omnic, 4th of July, 2017. He's, come on. Explosive power. Manifest freedom. Deliver. So we're like, this is... This is amazing, God. Like we couldn't, we couldn't do this. That's a pretty dramatic story. I love it. I love the way, like, because it's just, it's not because of me. It's because how much He loves me, and His love for me is the same as His love for you. And and if you yield your heart to what He has, it will be your language that He speaks. And and here's the best part about it, because. This is a deep desire in my heart. I, I, it's, it's everything that I've ever wanted. Uh, uh, Lord, help hold back the tears. <laughs> it's everything that I've ever wanted to, to operate in. The nations, the least of these, uh, training young people to be sent out into the nations. I even tried to format my, my youth group to be like that, and it just didn't work. <laughs> Always there. Seed always speaking the word. Always the promise just there, plagued. And I'm so glad he plagued me. I'm so glad, you know, because here's the, the best part. If he's so dramatic into leading us into this venture, where we're literally, this is literal, we're literally selling every item we have. We're going for bust, and we're buying the field, and, and we're going to become a missionary family. And there's only a couple times in your life where you have that opportunity to, to have that, that blessing. Go for bus, buy the field. If he's requiring that of me, then what's on the other side? If, if there's a calling, this is my point, if there's a calling, if there's a promise, then there's a people group that he's calling unto. There's a people group that his heart is upon, that he's, he's not just leading us to fulfill our promise, but the promise over the people that He's sending us to is saying, I am not a man that I should lie, but I'm sending you messengers that love Me and that know My name and that will preach to you good news that brings tithings of great joy. And that's what this is all about. You are in this story, people. My, my beloved friends of God, you are in this story. There's a partnership even us, even me delivering that word, not even knowing what the Lord had in store at the feast, at the very beginning of the Jewish year, that I want to announce to you guys that there's a partnership that the Lord is inviting you into. So don't resist Him. Don't resist Him. I believe that if you sow your life, if you sow your prayers, and if you sow financially, that, that wisdom will be justified by her children, and you will look back on these days and say, the Lord was near to us in those days. And look at the, 
the manifest legacy that He has all over the world, when we thought we were doing nothing, when we thought that our prayers and the ceiling was brass, oh, but God had a plan. Oh, but God had a people to send, and we were a part of that sending. It's tremendous. It's tremendous. It's God's size, and it's exciting. Because that's who God is. That's who God is. So needless to say, we're, we're, <clears throat> I, I humbly ask and, and humbly invite you to partner with us not sponsoring per se the off, uh, the Amic family or even Stephen and, and Chelsea, but to see see past your familiarity and see a calling, and that's what you're really partnering with is a, is a calling and an assignment from the Lord, and it will it will pay back in dividends in your own promise and your own life, because you're investing into eternal purposes. And so I want to humbly ask, we're looking for partners, we're, we're, we're going for bus, we're, we're actually going out there long term. We're, we're doing the DTS first as a family, which there's an initial cost to that. But we're also looking to be there uh, as staff members afterwards uh, to, to train young people and send them into the nations. So in the back, I just want to give you this, in, in the back, uh, for those of you who want to stay connected, because I, I'm, I'm a re- relationship kind of dude. I don't want partners that are unrelational. I, I want to interact. I want to uh, pray. I want to pray for your needs as you're praying for ours. There's a partnership in a calling. I want you guys to understand that. Come on. And, I, and if you feel that, if you feel God tugging on your heart, that you say, yes, I, I want to do that. I want to be connected in somehow. I want to invest in somehow earthly, natural resource into an eternal purpose. Please sign your name, sign your number, and email. And we'd be happy to stay connected and partner you, with you in this awesome venture that the Lord has us on. So that's it. Yeah. Amen. Stephen, if you'd come up, let's just uh, send both of these out. Uh, only because of, of time.